show. Firstly, thank you for listening to the show. We truly appreciate all our listeners. If you are enjoying the show, please consider rating, reviewing, and subscribing on whichever podcast platform you are listening on. It makes a huge difference. It helps others to find the show, and we would massively appreciate it. Also, reach out to us on social media. We love interacting with listeners and with fans from wherever you are in the world. And with that said, on with today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome into today's Irish NFL show with me, Colm Cronin. And welcoming back a uh, uh, return guest, I think, and you can almost call him a, a fixture on the, the show at this point. Delighted to, to say that. It is Shane Brennan from the Indoor. Shane, how are you doing, sir? How are things? I hope people aren't getting annoyed of my voice just yet. Um, but thanks for having me on again. Uh, always a pleasure to be on. Uh, not, a, not. I don't think that that would be the, the case at all. I, I thought it would be nice to, to get you back on because we were talking that the last time you were on, obviously, when the, the playoffs had kind of were, were starting, we had you on as a kind of a seed to preview the, the season. So I thought it'd be a nice way to kind of round it up with we're recording this a few days after uh, the Shamrock Bowl and the Rebels victory. So you were you were down in court for the the game. Well, what are your takeaways from uh, the, the clash between the, the Rebels and UCD at MTU? Um, it was... After the game, I spoke to Ty Henry, uh, the quarterback for the Rebels, who won Most Valuable Player, and he said that in his experience, it was the best game he's seen uh, in Europe or any place he's been, probably outside of America. And I genuinely think that he wasn't that wasn't hyperbole. He meant that. It was a properly high-quality game of football from start to finish. And it genuinely was the clash of the two best teams. Um, I think a good measuring stick to that is a very good friend of mine, Alex, came down with me uh, to watch the game as well. And he he's only really started following American football the first game he's ever watched was the most recent Super Bowl. And he was just thrilled with the whole thing. He didn't fully understand what was going on, but he was just the spectacle, the talent on, on display. And the fact it was constantly high scoring um, was fantastic. In the first half, when it was dry, every drive bar one ended in a touchdown. Um, it's just a supremely high quality display. And uh, I have I still have my notebook here. It's been a while since I've done any form of like actual live reporting in a match. But I think I ended up flicking through about 21 pages just to try and keep up with all the plays and changes and who passed the who and everything. And it was just, it was a genuine, just a fantastic occasion. And in fairness to, to obviously the Rebels are 10-0. and 0. They are deserved champions. They were unbeaten throughout the season. And in the end of the game, they kind of turned the screw in a way that uh, I guess really made them deserving of their status as champions. But UCD, um, I thought were you know, equally as good, uh, excellent on the run, had play-action plays that were quite well-designed. Arun Moody, I thought, had some very good throws, particularly in the first half. Um, it was just a super, super high-quality matchup. Yeah, I mean, look, the, I think the two best teams in the country for a couple of years running now, what ultimately do you feel was the the difference between the, the two sides yet? It's a difficult one to put the call on. I was talking to Arun Mooney actually uh, in the week leading up to it and he mentioned the fact that when the Rebels played UCD in the regular season and the Rebels won by a single point, the difference there was being able to get the two-point conversions. 
And that's kind of where UCD had a bit of an advantage. I mean, the first, uh, they ended up, they ended the half two points up because I think there was in their first drive and their last drive of the half, they got the two point conversion after the touchdown. Um, and the Rebels probably weren't, I guess, as convincing in, in getting those. Um, I think the real difference in the end is just Sean McVeigh, the running back for the UCD, kind of got a bit of a knock. Uh, and as the rain set in and teams started getting slippier and possession started trading a bit more, I think the Rebels just managed to, a couple of crucial plays, it just managed to seal the deal. I mean, there was one drive where UCD retained the ball uh, after it was fumbled about 20, 25 yards. And the Rebels defense managed to hold them for four downs. I think it was 11 yards out from the, from the goal line. And they couldn't make they couldn't make the first down, and they got the turnover and downs. That was a crucial series of, of plays there. That was in the third quarter when I don't think there was any scores in the third quarter. If there were, there was only one touchdown. It was that was kind of where the game slowed down a bit. And in the second half, to the Rebels' credit, I mean, uh, in the end, Arun Mooney kind of was trying to get UCD back in the game after they went six points down. Tried to had very long, very difficult drives in the rain and. And they're throwing two INTs, and uh, that's a credit to the Rebels. I think in those particular cases, their defensive players obviously learned from the way the game had gone earlier. Because UCD had a plan; they ran the ball in their first drive. They started in play action plays. Um, they knew when to pass, knew when to run. I, I, I think their offensive play calling in the first half and a bit uh, was probably better than the Rebels. But in the end, it just you know you need to play out of your top to do it in four quarters and the Rebels were the ones that uh, managed to turn the screw at the end and it was it was really it was kind of frustrating to see the quarterback throw two INTs at the end because I didn't think he deserved it it was one particular play in the first half I thought was fantastic he kind of pushed out to the right and gave it to uh, Tom Donovan who was last year's MVP wide receiver and it was brilliant because he was effectively in triple coverage the pass had to be accurate and it was on the sideline where there was a loud, boisterous crowd and where all the Rebels players were and he still got it directly to him and that kind of got the drive up and he was very accurate with his passes so, you know, the stats may say that he threw two INTs and I'm sure uh, at the end himself and other players might be kicking themselves but I genuinely think they were a very, very high quality side. The Rebels just managed to kind of get a couple of, you know, those those couple of defensive blows near the, near the very end and that was it. It's, it's fine margins with these things. We have two really super, you know, brilliantly well-planned teams. Um, it is the fine margins. And it's also worth mentioning with, with the Rebels. Um, a lot of times they'd start to drive and they would have maybe done two lateral passes. They may have only got two yards. But when they needed to get it done on third down or fourth down, they generally did. And that was also a massive um, a massive boost for them. Either Ty Henry managed to run the ball or they managed to get a big pass. So, you know, it's it, it's it was kind of a couple of small plays like that that when they needed to get over the line and fourth down, they did. And um, I guess UCD kind of ran out of steam near the end. But there's still full confidence that going into next year that both of these teams will be uh, top top caliber. And as when when the season starts again, even as a regular season, people need to get out and watch these guys because they are genuinely very good at what they do. Yeah, and, and it will. It'll be interesting to to see, and and we might come back uh, just to chat about kind of early thoughts on twenty twenty four at the end. But um, you know, the the Shamrock Bowl is the showpiece event, I suppose, understandably so. And we've now had two years of 
uh, two fantastic games. But the other bowl games, we had discussed those when we were last on and we predicted a very tight game in uh, D1. And so it proved, but the, the Vikings ultimately being victorious. And, and in D2, you had said that you thought um, that it was possible, um, you know, that the uh, the Giants may spring a surprise. And I can tell you that that didn't go unnoticed in the Wexford Eagles camp. Uh, the head coach uh, said that, uh, oh, I, I heard uh, Mr. Brennan thought um, we, we, you know, that we could be surprised. Um, we will be well. We will be well prepared," said Coach Platt. So, uh, every, every everything gets uh, gets noticed, uh, Shane. But the Eagles did uh, prove victorious. They, so, we will see the Vikings back in the Shower Bowl Conference. We will see the Eagles uh, in uh, D D one. Um, but any any thoughts, I suppose, on either of those particular um, bowl games or or the the team the the four teams involved. Well, firstly on Kevin Clad, I happen to know that he used to work in a newspaper, so he knows the value of getting of having the newspaper up on the wall in the dressing room, like, hey, listen what they're saying. You get out there and show them wrong. And I guess fair play to him. That's that's him doing his job. Um and we'll continue with the, the D two ball. Obviously the Western Eagles were five and zero in their regular season. Um, you know, they are a club which when it comes to division one, sometimes there's always a, a fear when people move up and uh, that they're going to kind of be out of step or they might be a little bit out of their depth. And I guess every team, no matter what league or what sport when you're coming up, has that kind of fear. But I think in both of these cases, in Limerick and Wexford, um, obviously this is depend- dependent on player retention and things like that. But I think they can both be relatively confident that going into the the season, that they have what it takes just to keep the momentum going and to really show themselves up. And I think what it, it actually what it ends up is a very strong competitive division one next year because you had the Loud Mavericks who have been exceptionally solid all year and have managed to win in those tight games and they've had the the physicality to keep it going. The Kaldara Crusaders were, you know, probably a bit of luck uh, away from an even better result than the five and three they got this year. The Dublin West Dublin Rhinos are similar as well. They were three and five, very could easily been five and three, six and two. There it's um you know, the, the talent there, both in coaching and playing, for them to really make that a competitive division next year. Um, and as much as the Shamrock Bowl Conference always gets the headlines, as you say, the Division 1 next year, as I think it was this year, will be um, will be interesting. And like, there's, I, I don't think there's anybody there who will feel that they'll run away. I know the Vikings were 8-0 this year and they won the bowl, but they certainly will feel it like they ran away with it. And no team in Division 1 will tell you they ran away with it because they didn't. Every game had to earn had to fight, they had to grind. There was no 80, 80 nil wins, you know, every every couple of weeks. So um that division will be a real hot one to watch. And I was talking to uh, a couple of UL Vikings guys there. I was talking to uh, Liam Ride who uh, by the way I thought Liam and uh, Kelly did a very good job um commentating on the Shamrock Bowl. And I'm just to add to that, the noise actually in the stadium, you don't get that when you're watching the highlights in the video. The noise in the stadium they had to deal with and still folks and the microphone is uh Incredibly difficult job. So if you're listening, kudos. You can put that in the wall as well. That was a very well done job. And um, look, with, with the Vikings, I mean, when you when you come eight and all, you win the ball, you're gonna come into the Premier Division feeling pretty confident in, in in yourself. And obviously, they have a history. It wasn't that long ago that they were winning sharp balls and they won three in a row about ten years ago. I was talking to a couple of guys who were on those teams. Um, and there's certainly the know how 
to once they get a couple of players set up that they can kind of develop their season. Obviously, with a, with a college team, you don't really know what you have until until the start of the season. So, you know, I guess once once the season begins, you're not quite sure how uh, how much that can or how much momentum they can carry straight away. But that's a team that can develop, and like like the way UCD did this year, they can time their run well near the end of the season. So, uh, come the the Premier Division, when by the time the Vikings get up there, it'll uh, you know they they won't give anything away. Yeah, and uh, certainly, yeah, kudos to to Liam and and Kelly. Um, and they will. I mean, again, to we we mentioned the last time, but the the coverage for for um, around the league has been really good. Uh, the the number of podcasts that are covering it, uh, Owen with AFI Redesign has done some really great uh, stuff uh, around kind of graphics and really capturing getting along to games, the game of the week stuff. Obviously, uh, you know it hasn't the work you have done in promoting hasn't gone unnoticed either, and we're we're definitely in a very exciting time. Is there is there anything else I suppose when when you look to twenty twenty four and when Liam was on. Uh, last week, he was already looking at recruitment uh, that that he'll be doing as soon as students arrive onto the UL campus. Um, but uh, across the divisions, or or anything that maybe are early that uh, that kind of you're you're wondering uh, about, or, or you think that could be intriguing. Uh, after the game, I went on to, after the shower ball of the weekend. I went onto the, the field and I spoke to Sean McVeigh, who was not who was. Yeah, he kind of got a bit of a knock, uh, which has been unfortunate, but he, you ran an excellent game. You really did. And I said it to him, I was like, there's a lot of people in the crowd sort of saying, this is only part two of a Shamrock Bowl trilogy between the Rebels and UCD. Do you think do you think that, that's the thing? And him, he batted away straight away. He said, look, this league is far stronger than um, than just us here because we made it. It's a, uh, you know, definitely both in the spot, but they're confident they can give it a go. And there's be a lot of teams that... Um, that will spend a lot of time preparing. You're looking at the Belfast Trojans, for example. I think they'll spend a lot of time trying to regroup and make sure that they kind of get more right next season than they did this year, especially because their team a lot of pride. It wasn't that long ago since they were the ones winning uh, all the uh, all the championships. Um, but of course, the big question is who's going to be the first team, if any. And I'm not saying they will. Maybe uh, to, to defeat the Dublin Rebels because they, they come unbeaten. They're gonna have. They're gonna know they have to got targets on their back, um, and in that case, how does that 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 team deal with that? I mean, do do they thrive with the fact that they are the ones everyone's going for, and you try to take the to try to dethrone us, or um, will someone get them early on and maybe knock down any momentum they might have had from the from their stellar season this year? That's gonna be the, the big thing that is gonna be answered uh, early on next season. But again, I think as UCD proved. You don't necessarily have to have a good first two games for you to have a good season and then be good in the playoffs. Um, I think UCD lost two of their first three, if I recall correctly, and still timed their run correctly. By the time they went down to play the Cork Admirals in the semi-final in MTU, like in you know in in a in Cork with all the Cork crowd, they played excellently well. And sorry, the Cork Admirals I probably should mention as well. They are a properly good team with a good quarterback in Stephen Hayes and good coaching staff and have been defensively solid all they need to do is sort of develop a bit of form and they could very easily topple anything in front of them so you have before this before the season starts anyway 
you have those four teams that look like that if they could kind of put up a couple of pieces together that they could kind of take scalps off each other and really go far in the bowl. But that doesn't mean any of the teams um, won't have a really uh, solid solid start. I mean, the nature of the of the league means that just because you were, I don't know, three and five team last year, that doesn't mean anything coming into, into this season. You can completely change it up. And particularly the UL Vikings, just to mention them again, the fact that they, in the D1 Bowl, had to use their strength and aggression a lot against the Loud Mavericks, which is another strong team in a pretty messy, wet game, will probably give them confidence that they won't be beaten easily. Um, and then you have the Westmead Minotaurs, who I think their record is worse than, or probably is unfair to how good they've been, how good Joe Kinnan has been, how good they have managed to get games. A lot of their games was close. So, like that. I suppose a bit like a few teams last in the NFL last year who were maybe four or five better play calls than making the playoffs. There are teams like the South Open Panthers or the Westmead Minotaurs that if three or four things go right for them in-game, they have a much better record and they have a much better confidence and they have much better going into the playoff season. So look, there's there's a long off-season between now and then. We have flag football in the summer and we have the NFL. Everyone's going to sit back and watch and enjoy before we get back into that. But uh, there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of coaches and a lot of players who are confident in their ability to make it a good, exciting league. Yeah, absolutely. And undoubtedly, you know, there will be some uh, some changes that kind of take place to all of the teams. Um, you know, I think there'll there'll be some people who will probably, um, you know, like move on. I think that um, I know that um, Conrad had mentioned from the Rebels that this was his final, um, going to be his final game. Um, what a way to to go out if that if that is the case. Um, but you know, life happens. And what was interesting in talking to I suppose, um, different people because it seems like, you know, the Rebels from day one were on it, right? When Tyler's been on and Evan was on, like this was their mission from the start. And other teams kind of took it a, a, a different approach. Like UCD knew kind of early on they were going to be down a couple of guys and that they were seeking to really look at kind of making a run on the, the back end of the season. And similarly, when I talked, to Connor Oban from the Eagles, they recognize that, you know, in order to, I suppose, try to, to keep everyone on board, there were going to be times that not everyone could could be involved. So it, it's probably going to be different approaches for different teams. And as I said, it is going to be, uh, it's a long off season, the long off season in the NFL, it's a long off season in the AFI uh, until it kitted football. But we do, have flag football um, and we do have the the Wolfhounds and I suppose the the Wolfhounds are the first up um, because they will be playing in Cork in the not too distant future shit. Yes on Saturday the 5th uh, I'm back down to the MTU arena in Cork to watch that one I might as well have a caravan down there or something it's although I wouldn't complain it's a beautiful city down there but um, I think it's just that this is only their second uh second game since returning I know there was kind of a bit of a hiatus between COVID and a few other things beforehand um, the trip to Spain I think ended up in a 22-6 to six win to Spain but again the the thing with the Wolfhounds is you're trying to get a bit of momentum and trying to get the national team together and have a bit of identity which is very difficult to do when players are, are you know obviously professionals and are off with their own clubs doing their own things and I'm not quite sure how much um, 
how much team, team the team has been together. But uh, when this game comes against Turkey uh, in Cork, it'll be the first home game in a while. Absolute mostly, I think, for any uh, Irish American football fan. And uh, if the crowd is anywhere near as boisterous as it was for the Shamrock Bowl, it should be uh, really good backing for the Irish team. And I think there'll be a lot of uh, guys who want to be on the team or players who are still not quite sure who's starting in what position. So I guess, I don't know, um, my knowledge of the Wolf fans isn't quite as in-depth as uh, as the league at the moment. So I'm not quite sure uh, what the decisions are regarding who's playing quarterback, running back, O-line, D-line, all this kind of thing. And I'm not quite sure whether, whether the game might be used to try and try to cut people out, I suppose, to have a plan and stick with it from early. Um, but this is all the, the joy of football. We Ourselves, as, as fans and observers, as well as the team, will be discovering all that stuff. Um over the next couple of weeks and as we lead up to the international game on Saturday the 5th um, so I would certainly encourage any anybody uh, who's free to go down I think it's a bank holiday weekend as well so um, get get behind the national team and just see like this is all the best talent from all the teams including not just the, the two teams that played in the Shamrock Bowl but other, other sides as well coming together to showing uh, I guess how good of a system we have and what we can do Um especially in dry conditions if people are able to play good free-flowing attack and football then uh, it should be a good spectacle yeah no absolutely and the opportunity I suppose to, to represent your country in the the sport that you know you're, you're passionate about is always fantastic and we have the the flag season underway and you know the again uh, in, in fairness there there's a lot of people doing a lot of work obviously in the background on that but um, it, it's good to see it getting certainly the coverage on social media, but there's also obviously the, the flag championships in in Limerick as well uh, later in August. Yeah, yeah it's uh, I think the fact that uh, so much is happening in American football in Ireland, the fact that this European championship is being held in Limerick, I think, is symptomatic of um, of the growth of the game here and how there's there's kind of a, a movement happening, and uh, I think it's being recognised uh, outside of Ireland and. The five championships being held in Limerick should, if, if anybody's down, um, should uh, should be a good spectacle. And as opposed to the flags, the season happening here, um, it's obviously it's where most people have started and trying to get the basic skills. I mean, drag people who have no idea what American football is to get down. I'm I am pretty useless at throwing and catching. Is why I played soccer a lot when I was younger. <laughs> um, so, but I even I'm going to try and hope to get down to. Uh, to one of these teams and there's a lot more I know when we talk about kid, uh, kid teams it seems like there's a lot of I guess geographical areas they may not be covered there's a lot more teams and availability in uh, in the flag championship so if people are looking to, to get involved there's plenty around um, it doesn't take long to, to find people on social media and uh, what I found with the people in the American football circus people are very open to chat on social media to tell you whatever you need and they're all very approachable so um so definitely give that a go. Yeah, no, absolutely. And the fact, I suppose, that there is the opportunity, you know, for everyone to, to get involved. Uh, you know, not everyone is probably going to want to uh, get involved in uh, kitted and, and tackle. But uh, certainly on the flag side of things, there's, there's very, you know, there's competitive um, aspect to it, but there's also an awful lot of fun uh, to, to be had. So definitely worth checking on that. You rightly point out, there are far more teams in, on the flag side of things. 
So if, you know, just because you don't necessarily have a kitted team in your area, uh, doesn't mean that there isn't a flag team uh, in the area or close by. So definitely worth looking in uh, to, to that. Yeah. And it, 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 it's gas. Um, what my mate Alex, who, who came down with me to, to the, to the ball, uh, he's again, he knows nothing. Uh, we were trying to, we were trying to, we went down to watch the rebels and step aside one day that we all had the Sunday off uh, myself. Myself, another mate of mine called Ben, who plays for the Crusaders, and um, we were always throwing a ball around and realized he could actually—he was a decent enough catcher, and he could, you know, he, he was big enough. And we're like, "You should come down and try flag. You made a good tight end." And he's like, "What's a tight end?" Uh, you know, he doesn't. He, so he, but he's still going to give it a go. So you don't necessarily need to know anything to come down. That's where, you know, that's where people learn. Not everybody learns in Madden NFL. People are better off learning on the field, and there's no better way to do it. Really, uh, I only wish I'd. Um, I, I guess I'm just trying to organize my weekend so I can try to. Uh, give it a go myself although if you do see me coming around please be aware I'll probably be useless my hands are much better at writing about it than probably playing it <laughs> um, before I, I let I let you go Shane just interested in in your opinion on an NFL um, I suppose matter that this week we've seen a lot of talk about running backs right and um, you know because of the, the the position and the position you know no longer being paid um, you know the, the top guys and I suppose, you know, you are somebody who covers store writ large. How can you, can you remember, have you covered, have you come across uh, a situation where the value of a particular position has changed so much? I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I try, I've been trying to think um, about like similar situations and I, I don't know. I go back to years ago in soccer when formations change and you know you had the emergence of wingless wonders because teams always played with wingers and and stuff like that but in terms of the position i don't know if, if any such thing um has kind of emerged for you to, does is there anything to equate it to no not really because if if i pick gaelic football and soccer for example uh, as comparisons i mean when your job, when somebody's job in the field changes, you know, your job changes as well and you have something to do. So when the blanket defences came in in Gaelic football, the forward job was less about trying to push up and, and get the ball. It was more about you come back and then build a counter-attack. So it, the, the value, the position wasn't necessarily devalued. It was just changed. And the same in soccer. You look at fullbacks that play for Liverpool. It's less, it, you know, when Jurgen Klopp set up a system, it's less about what you can do when you defend and more about what you do when you have the ball. Can you pass it in? Can you give it into the midfielders? With the uh, with the way the American football works, it's entirely different because if a quarterback can take the ball and run himself, a la Justin Fields or Patrick Mahomes or uh, Cam Newton, as uh, as I kind of started off with a few years ago, then the, what what is the running back to do? Um, especially when you used to have, uh, you know, a lot higher rates of having teams having two strong running backs and being able to switch between two or one plays where one cut one and it comes in and makes a path for the other. When a quarterback is is more than capable of doing the runs and is doing the runs a lot more often than would have been done say ten years ago when it was ready and matting and uh, and all the rest, it's you know, it, that's that's how the, the position devalues. So unless unless the, you you find a way to bring your system back in, you running backs are important again, and not as important as as, as the quarterback. Then 
you know, I, there is no equivalent de uh, devaluation across uh, across other sports because what is the running back to do if he isn't going to stand there and the quarterback does does a higher percentage of the runs and is more reliant uh, or sort of teams are more reliant on the quarterback's ability to run instead of the old-fashioned kind of boring way of the quarterback pass the ball and the running back runs the ball. So, like, that's, that's pretty much the way it is. And I certainly don't, can't remember anything in soccer uh, or getting or any other sport where um, a position, like I said, has been devalued so fast. Yeah, it's it is very interesting because even and, and I keep going back to it, but I suppose the writing on, on was on the wall in, in, for a number of years around this. And I feel for running backs because they do put their body on the line; they take an incredible amount of punishment. But I keep going back to three teams last year had rushers go for fifteen hundred yards, and none of those teams made the playoffs. So the game itself has kind of changed and people it's a copycat league and people will look at the Chiefs and they will look at a, a rookie and McKinnon being there and yet the Chiefs um, were still pretty effective on on the ground when they needed to be and as I said Pat Mahomes and the new generation of QBs uh, are, are capable of using their their feet in a way uh, that Brady, neither Brady nor, nor Mane did uh, you go back to that 2015 I think championship game and both of them did actually have um, some runs. But I think Peyton, was, it was one of the longest of his career. And, and I think it was about 16 yards. Yeah, what was what was Peyton's uh, college run stats? And he was minus three yards, something like that. He still got drafted number one pick. I mean, that's just how different the game is now. But like, if you look at long term, I mean, let's say, for example, you're someone who's kind of just going into college now or has been ushered into playing running back in the college football team. And what, what are you hoping that's going to happen in the next few years that, they're going to see you back uh, being one of the stars again. I mean, are we are we waiting for quarterbacks to get hit so relentlessly that, they're end up be, that their higher rate of injuries suddenly sees the need of running backs come back again? Is that the only thing that's going to save them? Because, like I said, the teams that are have the more versatile running uh, quarterbacks, by, uh, by and large, are the ones that are, are getting somewhere. Yeah, I, but I suppose this is where NIL money is, is good because these running backs were putting their body on the line the whole time but obviously once you get into college and you're talking about guys who are really really sizable hitting you and that's when the injuries and stuff can can mount up and so it's good to see you know guys will get rewarded in college for that i also um have discussed this a little bit on the podcast before but i i wonder if with the nil money we will see some players retire earlier than they did previously that more you know you'll always have your outliers right you'll have your aaron Rodgers, tom brady's who hang around um and and others um james harrison but for a lot of guys they might look at luke keekley um and they might look at andrew luck and think you know i i made it i made enough in between college and the nfl i don't have to keep playing and I'd like to have hips and knees when I'm 40. And so why not exit the game after my first contract? See, you get that money. I, I, I think we're in for an interesting, I think that's going to probably take it a decade, 15 years to play out. But yeah. it is something I, I think could well. The, the only optimistic streak I, I have of players 
staying on long is uh, as I'm kind of sourcing this off the the third episode of the Netflix series Quarterback, where you've seen the in-depth look as the Patrick Mahomes weekly routine to keep his body in top shape and how you know, like his A day, B day, C day, and he was taking uh, inspiration from how long Tom Brady was in the game. Um, and if you have a select few players like that who are kind of leading the charge to keep themselves to reco- recover their bodies as much as possible and then keep themselves in the game as long as possible in the top of the game as long as possible then maybe uh, you increase quality but again who is doing that bar quarterbacks are running backs uh, got to put in the effort is, is there any point because again running backs are relatively devalued that if some, someone regresses a little bit after the sixth year then oh we can just draft somebody out of college and they'll do a job for three years you know it's so again like I said we have to see we have to really see how, how these things play out and um, you're kind of wondering whether with everybody trying to keep up with the evolution of the game is it going to be one coach or one team sort of but not 100% similar to the Dallas Cowboys a few years ago who are just going to do it old fashioned style and just run the ball and try to try to bring a completely different view to the game than you know your uh, Andy Reid or any or any of them. So uh, it's certainly one to watch. Um, feel sorry for the running backs because, especially considering how strong and impressive some of their players are, and uh, I certainly want to see them used more often, particularly uh, uh, on the Patriots because I'm not quite sure how good Mac Jones is at running the ball. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is true. Um, and uh, if you know, if it is though. Like that, that ability, that longevity. Pat Mahomes is such a freak. Like, I mean, Mahomes is me. I remember the injury against Denver. Like, for anyone else, I think that would have could have been really serious. Um, but he is a freak in the truest sense of the the word. Look, uh, we we are recording this. Rookies have arrived at nine of the the teams, and training camp will begin in earnest next week. Uh, so with the ending of the kitted AFI season, the NFL season emerges on the horizon. But as you pointed out, uh, Shane, you know, we, we do have the Wolfhounds game to, to look forward to. It is a bank holiday weekend. Cork is obviously a great place uh, whenever you get the opportunity to, to spend time there. And we have the, the flag championships uh, to look forward to. For people, Shane, and I'm sure there will be most people listening uh, to this, and certainly Kevin Clack know where to find you. Uh, but for, for people who, who uh, might not be as familiar with your work, where is the best place to, to find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at, at ShaneBrennan21. Uh, most of the things that I do, I put up there. Um, also, during the NFL season, I'll be doing a few bits and a couple of my colleagues uh, will be as well. And we'll have, we're, we're trying to kind of build a kind of wall of, of content sort of giving some form of analysis. Uh, to the NFL season uh, from which is nice that Irish people are, are going to do it and we're not always just uh, relying on anything that's coming from uh, ESPN or anything like that so uh, Shane Brennan at Shane Brennan 21 on Twitter or on independent.ie if you look in the Euro sports section and fl- anything with American football you can guarantee my fingerprints are on it somewhere uh, so that's where you can find it all and we'll certainly put those links into the show notes but as always Shane it has been wonderfully entertaining and thanks again for your time Brilliant. Thank you very much.